for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. The important thing uh, of sharing our stories, I think, um, I think it was, thank you, um, C.K. Chesterton that said there's only two things that touch a human heart. One of them is people, one of them is stories, and the, sto- and the stories need to be about people. I think it's really important that we be willing to share both our victories and um, some of the challenges that we face. And in doing so, we actually expose ourselves and allow ourselves to be known on a much, much deeper level. Um, I think that, uh, I was just thinking today, um, um, first of all, thank you, Judy, for sharing last week. Thank you so much. <laughs> and, uh, and the week before, Stephen, and, um, and next week, somebody else. And, uh, and thank you for uh, allowing me to go minister at other places. The last week, I was in, in uh, my hometown of Nippon, Saskatchewan, uh, doing a wedding. Which is great. I actually forgot what it was like when you, so in a small town in Saskatchewan, when you drive a truck, uh, people wave. And I kind of forgot. They can do the one finger. Right? They're waving at you with the one finger. And, uh, but I, so I used to do that all the time, of course, and I realized I moved to Calgary and nobody waves. Or they give you the wrong finger. So... <laughs> But they don't wave nearly as much. And I, I remember it was a, one of my sadnesses moving to the city, uh, wanting to wave at people. And I kept looking for someone I know so I could wave at them. And no. So now, I, you know, I, I, I quit waving. I go home and I, now all of a sudden I feel included again because they're... And if they really know you, they'll go like this. And if their arms out the window, they'll go like that. And, but I forgot what it was like to be waved at. You know, and, and not, not raged at, but waved at. Um, Time goes so quick, doesn't it? Uh, Casey, it's great to have you and Nate here with us today and, um, and these families. I just really think how important it is to remember to um, and dedicate our families to the Lord. We did, we did this, you know, we do this, but I think we should do it on a regular basis. Daily, we remind, release our kids to the Lord, right? And um, it just seemed like yesterday we were celebrating um, your 16th birthday. Casey, or I think it was Cheryl and Paul's. It just seemed like, you know, I had that little thing. It just like time goes so fast. Hi, Rachel. Morning. All right, so you had some fun at the Stampede. Wasn't that great? Wasn't, wasn't that grandstand awesome? Loved it. Um, I always get so touched when I see the Canadian flag. Um, take your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn to um, First Thessalonians. I want to share a few things uh, about our story and owning our story. I think our stories are important, and, um, and I think that our, our, we, we keep writing our stories. And, um, and I think, I honestly, I think that sometimes we forget because one of the name, names of God is that he is light, and when light shines through uh, broken glass, it, ref, it refracts, and you see much more of the dimension of light. So I don't think we should be afraid of our brokenness. I think we should be willing to and, and open to share. Um, I, think that, I think we should be open as a church as well. Um, I, was, um, I was thinking about this, how important it is 
uh, to share these types of stories with our kids. Has anybody listened to the Brene Brown talk on the power of vulnerability on, TED, on the TED talk? Profound. And in, then in there, she says, she says that, um, it's one of the top five TED Talks listened to. She said that, uh, that we are all neurobiologically wired for connection. That after six years of study and three PhDs, she said that the, the anywhere, everywhere, to all people share this in common. They want to connect and they want to belong. And, um, and part of the importance of that is that we find, once we do find, we, we begin to get close with people, we find out that people are kind of funny and they can hurt us. And same thing happens in church, same thing happens in family. But we're all wired for that and the desire to, for us to connect and to be known. And then she defines shame as the fear of disconnection and that shame is the root of society's brokenness. The fear of connection basically meant this, I'm afraid that you won't like me. How that shame, just, shame is different than guilt. Guilt says that, uh, that you've done something wrong. Shame says you are something wrong. And it's a, it's a powerful thing. One of the reasons that Christ came was to heal us from some of those roots of shame. Shame screams you're not good enough, spiritual enough, smart enough, pretty enough, strong enough, cool enough to be loved or to be accepted. And I think it's one of the reasons we don't share our stories is because they expose us. But yeah, there's incredible power in our stories and nobody else can share a story like your story. And your story is valuable and it's worth sharing. Uh, both your victories and your defeats. I think that, that, that defeat and failure are just part of the same process of success anyway. The, the big difference between you and everybody else, frankly, is, is everybody else. It's only one like you. And so I'd encourage you to share our story. I'm going to share a few parts of my story this morning. Um, uh, while I was in Nippo and I drove, uh, we were just, you know, checking crops one day. And uh, down the road, I spotted a field. I go, hey, I know, I know that plant. In, in Nippon, they're now growing hemp. I used to grow it in little plots, but it wasn't known as hemp and it wasn't for the oil. Um, but I recognized that whole, that whole field and I thought, like my grandfather said when I took him a marijuana plant home, he said, wow, what a magnificent plant. Grandpa didn't know what I was doing with the plants. And, um, and that's kind of what I want to share this morning about about parent, a little bit about parenting, because it's such a delight to be able to dedicate families. And I want to talk about the multidimensional part of who we are and, and how that many times in a family or in society, we forget about the spiritual component of life. I want to talk about the spiritual component of life. First uh, Thessalonians chapter three and, uh, sorry, five, same book, a couple chapters later. Uh, verse 23, now may the God of peace make you whole in every way and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God who called you is faithful and he'll do this. Wholeness, our journey towards wholeness, help me Holy Spirit communicate just the right things today. Our journey of wholeness requires at least those three parts, spirit, soul, and body. A lot of attention is given to our bodies. Lots of attention, right? We wrap them, we inject them, we lift them, we paint them, we... Lots of attention is given to the body, and even quite a bit of attention is given to our soul, our, our mind, emotion, and wills, but not as much is given to our spirits. 
And you, as a person, are tri-dimensional. You're not simply two dimensions, body and soul. But there is a spiritual dimension to us. Every human being has three parts. I get in little mini discussions sometimes about will there be dogs in heaven? Will my dog end up in heaven? Um, I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> Too sacred. But it says about man when he was created, when God formed him from the dust of the earth, let's call him Dusty. but I'm not gonna call Eve Duster, not a chance. Uh, Dusty, so he was formed from the dust of the earth and it says that God breathed into him, into his nostrils, how interesting, he was breathed into. He had created a whole bunch of other animals but he never breathed into the nostrils of any of them. And the word is suke, uh, ruach, he breathed his spirit into man. You have a spirit, you have a soul and you have a body. We are all tri-dimensional. These little lives, when they're created, uh, I don't know much about, but under the microscope, apparently there's a little flash when conception happens. <laughs> Big or small, there's a flash. And, and, then, and then we're knit together in the womb, and each one of these little lives has three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And while they may not be able to communicate very much with their lips and with their sound yet, their soul and their spirit is very, very, very perceptive. And while they're being formed in the womb as well, their soul and their spirit is being impacted. And we can actually impact our children while they're still in vitro. And many times when we pray for people, they don't understand why there's a disposition towards a certain thing. They say, we've lived our life, that's never been part of us. Ah, but what was your mom doing at the time? What was going on in her life? Because you were, you were part of her and you were being per, picking up stuff in your spirit and in your soul. So this is fascinating for me. And, and I find that, that in our culture, we pay quite a bit of attention. We, we don't like the term humanistic or humanism, but it simply means that things that are on a human level the, th the physical parts. But there's a whole other dimension to us. And we can tell that, actually. We know it a little bit intuitively. When we're around somebody, you'll be hearing them say something, but you'll go, there's something else going on there. Why? Because you're picking up something that's taking place in the spirit or in their soul, the invisible part of them. Our body is only going to last for a short period of time, but our souls and spirits will live forever. So... I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. So I need to, when I go home, when I go back home, it actually gives me some, some context. And, I, and I'm actually very grateful. I, I love going back to my hometown. This is my home now. But it just reminds me of victories that, and where I've, how far I've come. And it also reminds me maybe of some unslayed dragons that are yet to be slayed. And so it's, all, it's good, and, and it helps me remind me of where I'm going. And I was raised in a great house, a, 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 a fairly high-functioning family, um, hardworking, uh, kind of nonstop, uh, probably workaholics, just a farmers, right? And that's where I learned about faith, where you take everything, put it all into the ground, and pray for the right weather conditions to make it grow. Um, 
so I was raised in a, in a, in a, in a great environment, lots of freedom, and um, yeah, probably too much at a certain point, but uh, lots of freedom, um, a, a, a pretty good church, I think it was a good church. And uh, every, every Sunday after church, we'd spend the afternoon at either, either grandparents' place or an aunt or an uncle, and we'd spend the day eating and playing ball. Um, bowling was a sin, but, but ball wasn't. <laughs> Their religion of preference was holiness. It was a kind of a twisted self-salvation sort of a thing where you had to do certain things and you couldn't do certain things. And, and at a very young age, I go, okay, there's something wrong with this. And uh, right, so you could watch TV, but you couldn't go to a movie. I mean, right, it's just, anyway, um, maybe some of you understand those environments, and um, uh, we can pray for y'all later. Um, but, but there was one part of my life that was not, so socially I was pretty functional. Um, um, you know, we, we had a great environment. I was well cared for. I was, I was really, I was quite loved. But, but there was only one expression of the spiritual part of us, and that was in the local church. I personally think that our, sorry, that our, our, the spiritual part of us needs to be functioning seven days a week, 24 hours a day, because we are spirit beings, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, but that was their only context, and so, so after you got out of church, um, you know, you're still kind of watched. But, but something kind of interesting happened at, at, at a young age. And, and I'm not sure if, if you've memorized 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, but it says that the devil, you have, the, you have an enemy, the devil goes up, so it says be sober and be vigilant because your enemy, the devil, goes around seeking whom he may devour. The operative word is may. The enemy can't function in your life without your permission and your cooperation and your agreement. In the spirit world, it's always majority rules. You need something to come into agreement with another. And so we need to be vigilant and sober because we have an enemy, and here's what he wants to do. According to John 10.10, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. You have an enemy, he's after you. Every life on the planet, every individual, and the world as a whole has an enemy. And he's seeking whom he may devour. But you also have a God who's reaching out and trying to redeem you and save you and give you life, a great life. So it was an interesting thing for me when, because I didn't realize, and nor did my parents realize, the spiritual impact or the influence that the enemy could have in my life. Let me tell you, let me just give you a little window, because, because we all have a spiritual appetite, which is good. Like, you have a physical appetite, you have a spiritual appetite. Appetites are good. How you satisfy those appetites uh, is arbitrary. So, so, for Christmas one year, has anybody heard of a Ouija board? You know what I'm talking about? Ouija board. Ask it questions. I know. Well, well. so I didn't get a Ouija board for Christmas. That probably would have been. But I got a thing called, uh, and, I, and I Googled it uh, this week. It's, it was called Kabbalah. And it's a, it was the same thing as a Ouija board, just in a little different package. And it glowed in the dark. There it is right there. That's it. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> there it is. Same, same thing. Glows in the dark. See what, you, see what you do there? Fortune telling with tarot cards. 
Uh, read what your astrological scope predicts. Ask your questions. The Eye of Zohar has the answers. Isn't that nice? So my parents got me the Eye of Zohar, Zohar there for Christmas. How awesome is that? Just right in the house, and it came. And then we got to do it. We weren't doing like seances or, you know, moving tables or anything. That came later. But this kind of opened the door. Do you know what? Just opened the door for spiritual stuff. And so it said on the instructions, we're reading the instructions because there's a little marble that moves around on the board there. You see the little marble? It says, be careful because the, because the marble is known to fly off the board and across the room. Should have been a clue. But if you're not aware of the spiritual dimension that stuff can happen, you go, oh, how cute. You know, your kids, here's your safety goggles. Go play with your fortune-telling game now. It's weird, eh? But here's what's important, because you have to, I believe as parents, we never stop parenting. We change how we parent. You know, there's a point probably where we should be a helicopter parent, but then there's after a while, you gotta kinda let them go. That's why I like to take the kids. And no, mine, mine, give me. And eventually they end up completely going on their own. And if we train up a child in the way that they should go, when they're older, they won't depart from it. Because they're so impressionable at a young age. My kids often would say, you know, this is my room, you can't come in. I said, hold it, you don't know who paid for that room. That's my room. That door that you're trying to close, that's my door. By the way, I'm coming in anytime I want, it's my house. And when you have your house, you can do what you want with your house. And I, 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 I knock on my kid's door when I go over, usually, knock. But when they're in your house, parents, I'm talking to parents, when they're in your house, it's your house. You have authority over that space. And, and you know, typically, you know, fortune-telling devices in, in, in your house are dangerous. Do you know, do you, I'm, I'm telling you something some of you already know. But this kind of created within me an appetite for spiritual stuff. So you all have an appetite. But we're supposed to feed that on proper spiritual sources. That's why the, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, come and feast off me. Or if you get thirsty, come to me, all you are thirsty. He said we're to satisfy our appetites with him. Our spiritual appetites is what he's referring to. So what happened is that I ended up getting a real taste for the occult and for spiritual activities. But I didn't have an, I, 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 because, the, because our church, even though it was a spirit-led church, did not give a lot of expression and so if you wonder why we take some time in worship and people raise their hands and get into it, and we have altar calls, and we ask God to come and do the miraculous in our midst, it's because all of us have spiritual appetites, and you need to have those appetites satisfied from the, a, a healthy source. Couple, I'm honestly, it's, such, it's a really important thing. A couple weeks ago when we were in Kelowna sharing there, um, and, I, and they said, well, you tell about something about your healing. I said, yeah, only if I can pray for the sick after. And at the end of the service, I prayed for some people. And some people were instantly, miraculously healed. I was more surprised than them, I think. <laughs> okay, so it's because something's going on. And I, 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 pray, I was praying for people who are having some disorder of some kind. And then, I, and then I, I, you know, the Lord gave us a little information he gave about something else. I prayed for him and this big lump on his back. He said, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. And I uh, was so excited about that. And I go, wow, I'm excited too. How'd that happen? He said, well, you just prayed for it. He said, right, that's right, that's what happened. We asked for the miraculous to take place. Why? Because there's a spiritual dimension that we have access to. And when Paul was explaining to the Corinthians about the different spiritual gifts, 
He would say, he said in chapter 12 there, and, and the gift, of, and by the same spirit, this gift, by the same spirit, this gift, by the same spirit, this gift. He lists nine spiritual gifts that you all have access to, all of these gifts, because each one of them are within us. When we invite Christ into our life, we get all the, the entire spiritual package. But the reason he said, and that by the same spirit and by the same spirit, because he was in Corinth, which was a polytheistic culture. And every time something went, went, took place, uh, for example, someone was healed, oh, that's the God of healing. Or, or there was some wisdom, oh, it's the God of wisdom. But we're monotheistic, there's one God, and by the same spirit, all of these different capacities are accessible to us. So, so this happened to me. And, and I honestly, for me, I was just as surprised as anybody that the spirit, this spiritual activity was taking place. Now, now, there is a plan, I believe, to steal and to kill and to destroy the life of every image bearer on the earth. A spiritual plan that can seem dormant and is unnoticed until a very specific or a strategic time in an individual's life, and then boom. I'm here today to remind us that we are involved in a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual battle taking place. It is unseen. We, we only can see in a very small light spectrum, a very small dimension. But there's much more going on. There's much more going on in this room than you can see. But our eyes are restricted to only see in a certain dimension. But there's another dimension taking place that we can't see. So we're told that, that, and I believe, that our spirit has all the same senses that our body has. And so, so we're told to pray that the eyes of our heart be open. I need my spirit eyes many times to see. As an overseer, I believe my role is to see what's over people's lives. As a parent, you need to see what's going on over your children's lives. You need to be aware that they're involved and we're all involved in a spiritual battle. How does the enemy have access to us? I think three ways. The first one is through ignorance. If you don't think there's a spiritual battle, he's already winning. Why do you think we're given armor? Not to polish it, but to use it, to put it on and use it. We are in a battle and we need armor. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us what that armor is. I find it somewhat confusing when I read through Ephesians because it says at the beginning, right in chapter 1, it says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. But then it says make sure you put on the armor of God. What? Am I seated or am I fighting? What am I doing? Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> if you don't know you're in a spiritual battle, the enemy, he's looking for access points. He's looking for off-ramps into your soul. He's looking for opportunities to get a foothold in your life. Secondly, influence. Ignorance, number one. Second, influence. We have an enemy, but people are not the enemy. But the enemy uses people. But people are not the enemy. They're under an influence. Everyone's under an influence of some kind. That's why uh, we're told not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. In other words, to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. That's what we're meant to be, influenced by the Spirit. It, you're, at any one time, you are influenced by either light or by darkness. And those who are around you will be influenced by either light or by darkness. That's the, that's the battle that we're in. Uh, 
Jesus asked Peter, uh, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? He said, that's what you, the answer to this, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. The answer to that question did not come from any teacher. The answer to that question came from my spirit. It came from another source outside of a physical source. Uh, by ver- that was in verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 16. By chapter 16, verse 22, so six verses later, he's saying, get thee behind me, Satan. Why? Because that, through that same vessel, the influence was no longer the influence of the Holy Spirit, but of an unholy spirit of some sort. So, so, so the enemy does use people. Um, and the third way is by encounters. I, um, I, just, I just need to say that I really need the body of Christ. Our three best defenses against the enemy are the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. We need to be part of a spiritual community. Did you know there's an assignment for you to become isolated and kicked out of a spiritual community? Did you know that? Did you know that, when you, that, that you can be sitting here and you can say, I kind of don't like the way he's saying that. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be part of church anymore. I mean, and pretty soon you're separated from the thing that's meant to heal you. I, you, don't have, you don't have to wait very long to be offended around here. It can happen real quick. But it will happen. But it's just like if you're in a relationship, that you'll, something will happen. It will give you an opportunity to step out of an, a, a, an authorized or appointed relationship. What are you going to do? What influence are you going to come under? And where are you going to go for direction? That's the question. I have a concern today that people are increasingly leading virtual lives that keeps them hiding. We've exchanged life skills for device skills. There's nothing social about social media from my perspective. Spiritual warfare, to fight and win these battles, we need the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. We need a place, a, commu- a family, to help us keep our heads straight. We need others. Jesus was right when he said, it's not good for man to be alone. That's still accurate. Um, spiritual warfare is replacing the lies with truth. It's learning to walk in the Spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Light and darkness, all, there's an all-out battle for your allegiance. That's the point I'm really all I'm, I'm trying to make. And my last point, um, so for me, my, that my, my little foray with darkness there, it, didn't, it actually started with the fortune-telling game, and it went on for 10 years. Probably a little more than that, actually. And took me on a spiritual quest around the world because I was quite intrigued with, with the spiritual world. It led me... To, uh, to the pyramids, because of course, back in the day, pyramid power was a very awesome thing. I don't know if anybody remembers the pyramids the people used to put on their heads, if you get, right? Uh, so I wanted to go to the pyramids. I wanted to, um, I followed a bunch of ideas about, you know, astral projection. I could never do that very well. I could just get across the yard, um, and I could have just walked there. It wasn't very helpful. Astral projection and, uh, and fortune telling and palm reading and tarot cards as part of the British spiritual society and, um, and all that stuff. But all that was was counterfeits of the real thing. And so I'm here today to kind of bl- to basically like blow a whistle that there is darkness all around us that's vying for your attention and your allegiance. And if I could say to you that we have access to spiritual information to help us make decisions, 
That I, if I were to say to you that we have, uh, we have another dimension of information, a whole other body of information that is spiritual, then the best way for you to understand that is to start to study the Word of God. And you'll get into the Bible and it'll become confusing, and you want to say, oh no, this doesn't make sense. And my encouragement to you is to say, Holy Spirit, he's the one who authored it, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say? And you tap into the spiritual resource because he will bring, there's an assignment to keep you from reading your Bible as well. It's hard sometimes. But I just, all, I just, one day I just said, no, no, I'm going to have, I got a place and I got a date and every day I'm going to meet the Lord there. And honestly, he always meets me there. And I, it, it's really important that we stay in the word. He says, the words that I speak to you, they're spirit and they're life. His word is spirit for us. John 6 and verse 63. So, so let me just um, wrap up by saying that well, the, the simplest thing and the hardest thing you'll ever do, once you're born again, the simplest and the hardest thing you'll do, because after you're born again and your spirit now becomes the spirit of Christ within you, you in Christ and Christ in you. When we're born again, the rest of our life now is about learning to walk in the spirit and, and overcoming all of the other, the, the fleshly and the carnal desires. Our, our entire life, Letting what God has done now, has done through the new birth, dominate your physical and emotional worlds. That's our, that's our path for the rest of our life. That, that, that I can allow the Holy Spirit access to my physical world. You know, when my spirit got completely renovated by the Spirit of God, I got the whole package of all God has for me is in my spirit, but it only has access to me through my soul and before it can get to my body. That's why my mind needs to be renewed and that's how I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. So healing is already resident within my body, but I've got to get past some from unbelief for it to have access to my body. So what I'm saying is don't give the devil a ride or pretty soon he'll want to drive. We live, we live in a multi-dimensional world and it's fascinating to me because I can say to you physically, I can come over and I can touch you with my hand, you know, say, oh, Lord, touch me. But the other thing I can do or that can happen to us is we can actually be touched in our emotions without me even being close to you. You can actually listen to a something, a song, and you can be moved in your emotions. Am I right? Because, because something can touch you. Words are weapons. The words that were spoken over Anna Rick's life, those were weapons formed against her. There are weapons that are formed against you. But my Bible says that they don't need to prosper. They're just formed. But they're po these are like missiles that are pointing right at you. They're formed. So, so we have access to spiritual information. Jesus said, what's born of the flesh is flesh. What's born of the spirit is spirit. They're, they're different dimensions. Spiritual truth is not discerned through natural senses. The spiritual world, world can be felt, uh, cannot be, uh, the, is, oh yeah, so John, God's word is a mirror, and if I don't, and I have to accept, and I want to accept, and I want to uh, remind us today that we are three dimensions, and the, there's a the very, very important part of you is spirit. And here's what happened to me, is that somebody started praying for me. And as I close this morning, this may have made me wonder how to end up here this morning. I'll, well, here's what could have happened. Someone's praying for you. And they, they might be aware that there's like a hunger in your soul. And they begin praying for you. Not, not controlling, not manipulating, 
but just praying that God would have access to you. And then there comes a moment, and a moment like this, where there's a spiritual transaction can take place, where you now have a hunger within your heart, and you're trying to satisfy it with all these other things, but yet the only way you can truly satisfy it is by allowing Christ, Jesus, to come in and inhabit your spirit. And in my Bible says that nobody can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. And so if you're here this morning and you haven't accepted Christ into your life, but you've got a hunger, you know a hunger in your heart. And you go, gosh, you know, I think there's something missing within me. The only way that that's satisfied by accepting Christ into your life. So in about a minute and a half, I'm going to pray. I can't accept Christ for you. I can't save anybody. This is the decision you have to make personally. But what I can do is create an atmosphere. I can create enough information to remind you that there is somebody who's been pursuing you your entire life, and, and his name is Jesus. And he's pursuing you because he wants you to live a great life. He doesn't want you to live a compromised life because he knows there's another entities. There's other entities. Demons aren't just in third world countries. They're just as much in downtown Calgary as any place else in the world. But you have to make the invitation. And so in our church, we do different things. We invite people to come to the front sometimes. We ask them to put up their hands sometimes. We ask them to do something. This is like when someone, someone said to me, you know, I was doing this wedding last week, and they said, well, it's just a piece of paper. I said, well, if it's just a piece of paper, get the paper, you wimp. Why are you scared of a piece of paper? <clears throat> but they know it's not. It's more than a piece of paper. <clears throat> Marriage is much more than that. It's about heart commitment. It's about on the inside commitment. Say, I'm going to dedicate my life to this one woman for my life. That's what, that's what it means to come to Christ. And you know what? You can't just say, no, I think I'm married to her, this person in my mind. No, no, no. That's, that's just absolute wacky. There has to be a point and a moment. And that's the same when you give your life to Christ. There's a point and there's a moment. And we say, if you want to accept Christ into your life, either raise your hand or come to the front and let there be a moment because the enemy will try and talk you out of that point of salvation. And if he can't keep you from coming to Christ, this is what happens, cowboys. If he can't keep you from getting on the horse, he'll take you and flip you right over the other side of the horse. So here's what we need to do is then we need to commit ourselves to daily disciplines and being connected to a body of Christ so that we can grow. And so we can get some instruction and we can be around people who can share our values. In a moment, we're going to go eat some pancakes. But right now, this is a very important point. This is a really important point. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, today's the day. Today's the day of salvation. Today's, today's the day. Or if you made a decision at one point in your life, and you realize, you know what? I didn't realize there's a whole other spiritual dimension. I've not been walking in that. Or to give, maybe you gave your life to Christ as a teenager back there in a tent meeting or a moment where you thought, oh, it's just an emotional moment. But in your heart, you know, you know, if I were to, if I were to die today, I, I, I'm not sure if I would for sure end up in his heaven. Those three people. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask in just a second, guys, everybody close their eyes. And I'm going to say, if anybody would like to accept Christ, you need to make a decision. You need to invite him into your life. We'll play, pray a simple prayer. Or if you've came to Christ at one point and you've stepped away from him and you want him to be closer in your life or if you've made a commitment to Christ and then, but you're not sure of your salvation, I want to pray for you, those three people. So would you just all stand together with me and let's just bow our heads.
and pray together. Father, I thank you for a spiritual transaction that's about to take place in this place. And it's about a personal thing that each individual has to do personally. And Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, I just ask right now that you make it very clear to them that they, the, the steps that they need to take to accept you as Lord and Savior. And if there's anyone here that's walked away from you, Lord, let them know that you've been waiting with open arms, no guilt, to welcome them back. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer. And, and I'd like to welcome, invite you all just to pray this prayer with me. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, I want you in my life. I accept what you did on the cross. Come into my life and allow me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if there's anybody prayed that prayer or the, that kind of prayer for the first time, I'd like you to just raise your hand up really quick so I can see who you are. Yeah, it's up to you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just shoot your hand up quick. And, and Yep, thank you. Anybody else? Right. There's a spiritual transaction. This is not a physical one, but it's recognized by doing a physical thing. Just raising your hand up quickly and putting it right back down again. Anybody else? All right. Sorry. Last, last thing I want to pray for with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Just, this, is, this is, makes it private. This is nothing superstitious about this. If you, if you feel like you've stepped away from the Lord and you've, I don't know what else to call it, you just stepped away from the Lord, you don't feel close anymore, and you'd like prayer this morning, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you right where you are. Is there anybody like that? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? That's great. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? Feeling distant from the Lord? Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Great. Personal thing. Very personal thing. Father, I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. It's present right now to call people back into relationship with you. And I'm asking, Father, by the power of your name, and there's no name above your name, that you would restore fellowship with each one of those that have raised their hands. I ask that you would remove all the barriers of guilt and tear away any shame and remove all that performance and allow them to just enjoy your great love once again. Father, from this, as they walk out of these doors, that they would feel washed clean. I declare your presence over each one's life here today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can I have my cowboy hat now? I'm just about to do a yippee. Um, we have a prayer team that's here today. That uh, if anybody wants to hashtag Cowboy Lauren, you can do that right now. I just put a little tip on there. Um, if anybody here has any uh, physical issues they'd like prayer for, or any relational issues, or any, we've been seeing absolute miracles in people uh, getting jobs, you need a job, uh, we would like to partner with heaven. And as our, our prayer team's here, and I'll be here to join them, if you need any prayer of any kind for anything, we're here to help you. Now, through those doors, I can't put a cowboy spin on it. Want cowboys and cowgirls for Jesus. How's that? Let's go with pancakes. God bless you. You're all released. Go and change your world. this message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.